My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and I have the absolute privilege of taking us into week two of our series, Serve Somebody. Can you just guess maybe what we're going to be talking about today? Just catch you up to speed, you know? Uh, you've been busy this week. You've been um, probably in, investing time and energy in a variety of places. And, and so if you have any question about where we're headed, we're going to be talking about serving somebody today. And so we're glad that you're here for week two. You know, we continue to highlight a big idea of Scripture, a big idea in the kingdom of God is that in the kingdom of God, God calls us to a life of serving others. It is the culture of the kingdom. And there's this, there's this clear kind of collision that you've probably experienced in your own life. I mean, if we're going to talk about why this matters, how many of you like to be served? That's right. Eating out would be a little bit odd if there were nobody there to serve you. Nobody there to prepare a meal, right? Like you would walk into this place and you would sit down and you would wait for a long time, right? I mean, just, just for a moment, I mean, we kind of did this last week, but, but if there was nobody here at the vineyard serving, like, I mean, I love being served. Uh, we would show up and actually before we ever get here, somebody from Pearland ISD has to serve us with their time and their trustworthiness to open the facility for us. So it like starts well before 6.30 that there is a, a sequence of people serving us as a church family week in and week out. And so in the kingdom, we see that God is calling us to participate in serving others because it's a great way to connect with people because we all like to be served, right? I know I do. So as we're going to launch today's talk, I'm actually going to be using the same uh, passage of Scripture that I used last week. We're going to kind of dig it a little bit more because, you know, sometimes um, we just like to loop back and loop back again and, and, and see, you know, how do we take God's Word, how do we take Scripture and let it kind of hover over our lives a little bit more. How do we let it begin to speak hope into us, transformation, where we can discover more fully what it looks like to live the life that Jesus invites us to live, that's connected to his love, that's connected to him. And so check out this map I've got. Um, this is a picture of where geographically Jesus was kind of moving and interacting with people, um, and particularly for the use of the Gospel of Mark, which I'm going to be looking at today, uh, so many of the stories and the miracles and the, the, the place and space, the people that Jesus served with the disciples was happening here, you know, from, from north to south, east to west. This is where it was. And so as I shared last week, like if you look at the kind of the very top, um, you have Tyre kind of up near Phoenicia, and uh, an incredible encounter with Jesus happened there, and uh, kind of moved down to Galilee and Judea, and uh, you see here's Bethlehem kind of on the southern portion. I think something important happened in a little town called Bethlehem. You know, we kind of talked about that at Christmas time. There's this incredible place. So this kind of gives you geography, right, of where Jesus was serving people with his life. You know, if I put up a map of, of our cities that we live in, you know, you, you would just go, yeah, like, I know where that's at. I know where the grocery store is that I shop at, and this is the community that I live in, and the subdivision, and my kids are in school over here. 
And this is the life of the kingdom, is that the place where Jesus was, he invited the kingdom fully. He shared it with the people around him. And he's inviting us to do the same thing, that we would serve somebody. You know, as I shared last week, if you actually look through the gospel of Mark, you will see Jesus encountering people in powerful ways, in powerful ways. And that's where we're going to be today. So if you want to kind of be prepared, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. In the New Testament, it goes Matthew, Mark. It's the second book. And uh, let me just tell you some things that happen. In Mark 1, Jesus heals. Jesus prays. Jesus heals. In Mark 2, Jesus forgives. Jesus calls. <laughs> In Mark 3, Jesus heals. Mark 4, he's telling stories about the kingdom and how it comes, and then he miraculously calms a storm. I don't know about you, but I need a God who can calm storms in my life. I need to be a part of the, the coming peace of God for the people around me. So we talk about serving somebody. Jesus shows authority over demons in uh, Mark 5 and continues to send people out and continues to, to miraculously welcome the kingdom and show the power and majesty of who God is. And sometimes I just think, you know, if I could have been there, if I could have been there when he fed 5,000 people or 4,000 people, you know, my faith would be larger. You know, I think for us here at the Vineyard, this is, this is why the servant heart of the kingdom that we're going to be reading about again today is so important. Because as we say yes to the love of Jesus, the life-transforming power of God that you can read about in Mark is experienced here and now today through you and through me. When you take time to serve somebody and value their life, you begin to connect to the love of God in real ways that are just a continuation of what we read about in Scripture. And it's how we display the glory of God today. So yeah, I like to think if I had been there, if I had been walking with Jesus, you know, throughout the stories of the gospel, that maybe it would be easier for me to believe. But I'll tell you, in my life, the way I have been loved, the way I have been served by so many people, the way I've, I've received prayer, the way people have brought meals to our home in times of need, I have experienced the life-transforming love of God through people around me my entire life, and it gives me hope in Jesus. And so just begin to open your life. I know we all love to be served. But in order for us to be served, somebody has to serve. Somebody's got to step up. And so today, as we kind of walk through, uh, again, Mark chapter 10, here's kind of the idea for today, is that it would be me for we. Me for we. That when we talk about serve somebody, that we would begin to be captured by the, the values and the vision of God displayed in Jesus that calls us to live our lives for the many that he is calling to himself. That it wouldn't be an us versus them mentality or, hey, as long as I'm covered, too bad for all of y'all. I got my meals. I got my prayer. I got the people serving me. No, but that we would begin to embrace the kingdom of God in a way that we would go, you know what, God, would you work in me 
so that everybody I see would be the we that I associate myself with, that this is my community, that these are my people, that we collectively would begin to build unity through our service, that we collectively would begin to see a bigger picture, a better storyline, a better narrative than what's in the media and coursing through headlines, that we would be people who stand for the hope of the gospel, and that we would begin to see in our lives the hope and the treasure it is to live every day. Me for we. Me for we. Those around me, those I interact with, that they would be the ones I realize I can make a difference in. You know, as I shared last week, there's some research um, from sociologists that tell us that even the most introverted person, any introverts in the house? Yep, there's a few. I heard you. That's how, that's how it goes. That the most introverted people over the course of their life will impact over 10,000 people and influence over 10,000 people with the way they live. Isn't that remarkable? See, this is the exponential like growth potential of the kingdom. That if the love of Jesus captures one, it influences tens of thousands. That as you allow the love of Jesus to meet you, the potential of impact is significant. It is so significant. So let's look again at Mark chapter 10. We're going to pick it up in verse 35. And um, it's this great story, as I shared uh, last week, kind of setting the stage. Jesus is doing some teaching on some different topics. And for the third time with his closest disciples, he's telling them that he's about to be crucified, that he is on his way to lay his life down on the cross, and that he will, he will experience incredible torture and physical anguish. And he will die but he will not stay there, that the story will finish with his resurrection, which is what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. And so he's just telling this incredible, like, horror that he's about to live. He says, you know, then they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, kill him, and then three days later, he will rise. I mean, he's setting up the most, like, dramatic of scenes with his closest disciples, with his best of friends. And then two of them launch this question. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And I can just imagine Jesus going, hey, did you not just hear what I'm about to do for you? <laughs> like, okay, guys, come on, what do you got? What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. One at your right and one at your left in your glory. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. You know, I can just imagine it, right? Just put yourself in the story. They're sitting there going, yeah, Jesus, we got you. We can do it. He's like, you know, I just talked about being mocked and spit on and flogged and to death on a cross, right? Yeah, we got it, Jesus. We can do it. I know we can do it. We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. 
These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You know, like the other guys are like, whoa, hold on just a second. Who do you think you are asking for the sweet seats, right? Like, what about, I mean, how do you, like, we're all in this together, guys. I thought we were all buddies. And, you know, like, why do you think you're making yourself so much better and more deserving of the glory seats, right? I mean, I watched this happen with my kids. <laughs> as soon as one of them has something, doesn't matter what it is, the other one comes running, oh, I wanted that. <laughs> if one of them sits in the swing on the right, the other one's like, no, I wanted the swing on the right. And there's like a perfect swing on the left, you know? There's just something inside of us that just is like we're afraid we're missing out. Why didn't I think of that? And they're indignant with the other guys. And then Jesus calls them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Before I go too much further, I'm just curious, when you hear the word ransom, what comes to mind? Like what, what image comes into your thought process? What kind of emotional tug does it have at you when you hear the word ransom? And I don't think it was just you know, uh, just kind of tossing some words around. I, I think this picture is going to really matter through our talk today. And even if you think about this me for we, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. He was just talking to his disciples, listen what I'm going to do, I'm going to lay my life down for you. See, in Jesus we see the ultimate me for we display of loving sacrifice so that all might know the love of God. When you think of ransom, what image does it draw up? We're going to come back to that, so I just want you prepared. I want you thinking about where we're going so when we get there, you can think about what does it mean to ransom? What kind of ransom do we need? What kind of ransom is the world looking for? What scenario is in play for when a ransom is required? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the book, Relationship Principles of Jesus, Tom Holliday shares this insight that I think is so helpful for where we're headed today. Jesus taught us to translate our desire to be significant into a decision to serve. You know, our culture pushes significance and power and authority and prestige, and it's so performance-oriented. You know that there's just this drive that's put within us, right, 
drive to succeed and, and, and make it and be at the top of your class and perform at the top of your, you know, business cohort and in the industry. And, and it, you know, there's always this accolades for the, the top five or the top 10 or the top 10% or, you know, people who are just pushing and prestige and significance. Yet in the kingdom, there's this, there's this just, it kind of breaks the, the mindset that, that desire for significance becomes a decision to serve, to put yourself low. And so as we uh, move through the talk today, feel free to use your listening sheet because here's one of the things I see in the kingdom is that, that Jesus invites me. Jesus invites me to his goodness, to his life, to his way. Jesus invites me. The invitation is personal. So just today, as, as I, if I have any hope of sharing any good thoughts, I trust that they are God's kindness. If there's anything that kind of captures your attention or sparks life inside of you, trust that it's God meeting you today. Because what we believe is that there's a real experience and a real encounter for each of you in the kingdom. Because Jesus invites me. If I'm going to serve somebody I have to serve somebody. I can't ask you to serve somebody as me. Does that make sense? Like, you're different than me. I'm different than you. Jesus invites me. I have to get, like, personal in this exchange, and I have to own my own part. I have to decide if I'm even interested in the invitation. Am I going to RSVP? Am I going to participate? Am I going to show up for the party that Jesus is throwing day in and day out? Jesus invites me. As he's interacting, interacting with the disciples, he says, not so with you. He begins to exchange with them this, this idea that maybe there's a different call on their life. Maybe there's a different perspective and way they could live than the model set in kind of the cultural structure of authority and leadership and government. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. You know, I'm going to come back to this idea of ransom. Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus invites me to be free. So one of the questions I have to ask first is, will I allow the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to be my ransom? To be my ransom. See, when, when you thought about the word ransom, what were some things that came to mind? See, the thing that comes up for me is, is this idea of it's a hostage situation and somebody is looking for a payout. Somebody has set a price tag for the person that they have, and the price has to be paid so that person can be freed. In my life, I just had to begin to realize that of, of my own efforts and my own striving that there was something I could not break free of. There was, this, there was this longing in my heart for something more. And the more I looked and the more I searched, what I realized is Jesus invites me first to be one of the ransomed, one of the many that his love and his life have ransomed, that he has called me out of darkness and ransomed me into light, from death to life, from heartache and insecurity and an identity that is searching in all the wrong places 
to one that is anchored to hope and to truth and to life. He ransomed me. See, today Jesus invites you to discover day in and day out what it feels like and discover more the ransomed life of the kingdom. Jesus invites me, you, you me, you get it? He invites me to be ransomed. So maybe you're here today and this has been the struggle of your heart. This has been the thing you've been really wrestling through is you would love to serve, you would love to give, and you do and you try your best effort, but you draw empty at times and you fall short at times and you have this kind of gap in your life where it's like no matter how hard you try, you still find yourself longing and searching and looking. I'm there sometimes still today. Is that I've come back again to the love of Jesus. That he came to serve me. So part of the invitation and serve somebody is that I allow the life of Christ to serve me every day as one of the ransomed. And as I get my source right out of my source, I can serve somebody and begin to realize I'm invited not just to receive the ransom, but to extend the good news of Jesus that we are trying to ransom everybody into the kingdom of God. There are people in your life that you know and you have a heart for and you long for them to know that they are loved, that their life matters, that they are of incredible importance. And as I'm talking right now, it wells up inside of you like, oh, that they would be free. Oh, that they would know that they matter. Oh, that their life would have significance. And it's in the love of Christ that we find our significance, and it's through the love of Christ we live a significant life serving somebody, serving everybody. In my service, my life is significant. It's in my service, my life is significant. In the surrender and the humility of Jesus. I love what's displayed in that passage. He even goes, look, it's not even my decision of who sits next to me. He understood how to come under authority. He understood how to live with humility, fully surrendered to the will of God the Father. And in that significant surrender and that significant service, we might have life. And then, in the ultimate, like, kind of just shift of every way I would do it, like this goes against every way that I would do it, he then invites me to be a part of that. He invites you to be a part of that. He invites us to be a part of what he's doing in the kingdom. Like, I shouldn't be a part of this. But it's his life and it's his love and it's his service that make a way for you and for me. Jesus invites me. In my service, my life is significant. It's in that service that I have purpose. In the kingdom of God, I have purpose, not just for today, but for eternity. Relationships aren't just to be used up and spent today, but they have eternal implications. This life that, you know, feels like strife and effort becomes this beautiful kind of opportunity to declare hope for eternity for people. That we would be part of ransoming the many because we said yes to an invitation of love. That we said yes because Jesus is inviting us. Jesus is inviting us. 
So what's the, what, I've already kind of been talking about this, but the next kind of fill in the blank in your listening sheet is this. It's the aim of Jesus. The aim is everybody serves somebody. His aim is for all of us to know that we're loved, and so all of us can love somebody. You know who gets included in that? Everybody. <laughs> you know who benefits from that? Everybody. You know how generous the kingdom of God is? So that all might have life, so that all might be loved, so that all might know Jesus, that all might know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that all might be ransomed. That is the passion of Jesus. Died once and for all. The aim of Jesus is that everybody would serve somebody, that we would all have purpose, that we would all be in on this thing. You know, in the vineyard we say, everyone gets to play. Everybody has a part to play. So that when we kind of disperse from here, think about all the places that have hope this week because we are headed there. The place you live, the place you shop, the place you eat, the place you work, the place you like to hang out. The influence and the impact of a room of this size is significant when everybody says yes to serving somebody. Everybody serves somebody. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Instead of needing to be noticed by others, you begin to notice others' needs. You just begin to live with an outward-focused view. You begin to kind of turn your attention to those around you, just as Jesus did. He's getting ready to go die on a cross. He's telling his best friends, I'm going to ex experience harm and brutality. I'm going to be mocked and I'm going to die, but then I'm going to rise again. I'm going to show that I have life over death, resurrection power. And then they're immediately thinking about themselves and what seats can I get? And he just lives with this outward focused view and he says, hold on now. And he just slows down. He just begins to teach them. He just goes, hey, look at the life I'm living. Let me model this for you. Let me show you that there's hope. And then he just invites them in. And we get invited in the same way today. The life of Jesus matters today. You know, there's so much pressure, I think, that we sometimes feel like we have to serve our way into God's love. We got to get our stuff cleaned up. We got to, you know, we got to work our way into heaven. But it's not your service that saves you. You are not saved by your service. You are not saved by your service. You are saved by the free gift of Jesus who loves you. You just get to open that one and receive it into your life day after day after day. You are not saved by your service. You are saved for service. As you experience the ransoming love of Jesus in your life, you get to live this beautiful, generous life where then you serve other people around you freely. It just begins to flow out of you. You receive life and you give it. You are not saved by your service. You are saved for service. You know, I love the gifts and talents of people that we get to see and experience. And you probably have incredible gifts and talents that you live out of your life. And you don't even think anything of it. You know, it's just like, that's just what I do, right? You know, we just kind of like check what we do. And it's like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, it's just whatever. My wife um, was telling me the story of this guy who has a particular skill that he's developed, and 
He's just found an incredible way to serve people with it freely of his own kindness. And I think, I, I, I know nothing about his faith view. I'm just going to be real transparent. I don't know his faith view. I've never met him. I've never been able to ask him. But as I heard some of this story, for me, it just paints a picture of God's kingdom and the opportunity that we all have to be a part of serving somebody. So check out this video, and maybe it'll, it'll illustrate the point better than I can verbally this morning. First thing I, I say when I go up to them is, I want to do something nice for you today. I began cutting homeless people out in the Philippines. I traveled to the Philippines about two years ago in May, I believe, 2012. And I decided to uh, work in a little barbershop in the province that my family's from, pay the barbershop owner and pay, pay the barbers in the barbershop to allow me to work next to them for the day. And we had the, the less fortunate children come roll into the barbershop. I thought, why not bring this back home? The reason I dress down when I, when I go out on the streets to do haircuts is because I don't want to draw any attention to myself. I just want to blend in. people is to be inspired by others. The reason why I'm out on the streets is so I can inspire other people and I just so happen to be a hairstylist and I'm able to give people haircuts on the street but everybody does something that they can do for anybody out on the street. If you feel like you don't have much of a talent then it's not too hard to dig into your pockets or even give somebody something to eat or just just even be nice or smile at somebody. Just smile at somebody. Just smile at somebody. And he's charging hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. And he just found a way to serve out of his time, out of his talent, what he's developed in his life as he sees people and he meets real needs. So here's what I'm gonna do. I, I wanna practice a little bit, okay? So I'm gonna walk through a series of skills that I think help us accomplish this. I see these in the life of Jesus. If you, again, read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus practiced these in the way that he lived. In this minute and a half video clip of somebody else's story, you see some of these. So here's what I want to do. One of the things necessary, if we're going to serve somebody, if everybody is going to serve somebody, here's one tip I found really helpful to get things started. We have to see them. We have to actually see them. And so here's what I want you, I just want you to take time to look around the room. Like just look at the people who are gathered here. I know it's going to be awkward. Everybody's going to start turning, so you're going to see the back of heads. And so you can notice hair color. Notice kind of like that it's a multi-generational room. It's a multi-ethnic room. We have to like begin to see people. Okay, scale of 0 to 10, 10 being the hardest, 0 being I think we can do it. Uh, how many of you think that was like a 0 or a 1? Yeah, we got a couple. Okay, good, good, okay. We have to see them. And I'm not trying to be patronizing. I'm not trying to be like sarcastic and annoying. I am being so genuine. Because here's what I found. 
most people live their life like this. I'm not picking on anybody, or we live it like this. I can sit in a room and not look at anybody. I can uh, walk down the street and not look at anybody. <laughs> I can sit in my own house and not look at anybody. If I don't see the people around me, this is harder. And so part of what we have to do is lift the gaze of our life. We have to begin to lift our head and get up and, and take the focus off our own fatigue and our own exhaustion and begin to look around. Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, he saw people. He also stole time away because he knew that if we're going to see people, we're going to care for people, we have to be cared for, right? That was the first point. Jesus invites me. We have to begin to find this rhythm, but we have to see people if we're going to serve people, okay? How many of you, the thought of talking to a stranger is terrifying to you? Raise your hand. Terrifying to talk to somebody you don't know that you would just maybe pass. Okay, more of us, than, it's terrifying to raise your hand in church. That's what I think, okay? <laughs> That's right. There we go. Now, see, now I know what's happening. Y'all are very kind. So you just practice serving me and my attempted humor. So to talk to somebody might be a little bit daunting, especially if we're introverted. So we can practice this wonderful, this wonderful thing. If we have the right muscle tension and ability, we can smile. We see them, and then we begin to smile. And, and some of you just started smiling when I said that. It's just, it elicits smile. If you smile at somebody, it's amazing how much they smile. I was out at a particular restaurant this week, uh, picking up some lunch, and I was noticing the people in line. And there was this one person that I noticed, and they, they actually, if I was going to, if you had asked me my unfiltered opinion, I would say they looked hard. They looked hard. And as they stepped up to the line, they still looked hard, and then this child came at them, right? And I'm thinking, and the moment the child came at them, their, their face lit up with the most kind, tender smile. And it was powerful, and it was safe, and it was like wonderful, and you just felt like they saw the child, and they were helpful to the child, and it was like, and then you could, act, I could actually see who that person was. That person's not hard. That person was not like hating life. That person had life bursting forth inside of them that I just hadn't caught a glimpse of yet. Well, how about for us? What happens when we smile is that it begins to bring hope and possibility out of people. And if you need to practice, again, not to be patronizing, just take a pin and just bite it. Like this. It makes you smile. It's a psychologically proven research study that if you just bite a pencil or a pen, and then your own happiness will increase, and then you'll have more muscle power, and then you can smile more at people, and it'll be amazing. Serve somebody. See them. Smile at them. And we haven't even had to use our words yet. Now you can try something. So say hi. So by the people next to you, just say hi to somebody real quick. Man, y'all are naturals. This is good. This is good. You can speak life. You can encourage. You build up. The kingdom of God is coming to speak life and hope, so we should speak life and hope. So do this. Grab your phone. Yes, you're allowed to have your phone at the Vineyard Church on Sunday mornings. Yes, keep it on. Pick, I'm serious. Grab your phone. We're going to speak life. Text somebody right now some form of encouragement. A friend, a family member, somebody who's going through a hard time, just say, I'm thinking about you. Okay, if you're in the room and, and you get text messages from me periodically, I'm about to let you in on a secret. I text lots of people periodically because they're my friends and I care about them. 
And you know what's beautiful about texting somebody? They text back. When you smile at somebody, they usually smile back. Not all the time. It's okay. You win some, you lose some. You text people, they text back. You say hi. You begin to build this passion in your heart that people matter. And then you, you do what Mark Bustos does. You begin to sacrifice time. You begin to sacrifice resources. You begin to sacrifice your life the way Jesus sacrificed his life. And you begin to look and feel and sound and smell like Jesus. Like, and here's, here's what's weird. Like, hopefully you smell good. But, but people, like, they know authenticity. They do. Like, they just know authenticity. You want to know an awkward question to have to answer at a party when you meet somebody new? So, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I work for a church. Now, all sorts of conversations have a little bit of a different slant to it. But if you're authentic the easiest question to answer. Because this isn't about an agenda. This isn't about something of like, ooh, I'm trying to like force or coerce or make somebody do something. This is because people matter ultimately. People matter. So when we serve somebody, it's not some like little charity case. It is the most pure expression of the kingdom to love and serve and give and sacrifice for the ransom of many that we would say hi, that we would speak life, that we would text encouraging words, we would sacrifice time and resources. And then actually we've been training you all morning. You didn't realize this. Ever since I got up and you sat down, we've been practicing this next one, is that you would sit with someone and value their life and value their story. You would just give them attention. You would just sit with people and listen. If you want to serve somebody this week, take interest in their life. Just sit down. You haven't had a talk yet. Look at them. Then, you know, eye contact's helpful for communication. Smile, and then just say, how are you doing? And if they say fine, say, great. Tell me how you're doing. No, really, how are you doing? I'm interested in how you're doing. What's been going on? And then let them share and listen. Sit with them, listen, and develop friendships Share emotion and interest and passion. Take a, an interest and value the people around you. And I'll just tell you, we have to be willing to share hope and share Jesus. If Jesus is real and if Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly, I would say it's the most wonderful life hack ever. People share life hacks all the time and they're creative and they're ingenious and they're engineer minds and they're like brilliant and they're creative thinking. I have found Jesus to be the most helpful thing in my entire life ever. I find Jesus to matter for all conversations. If you're a parent, I think Jesus matters for parenting. If you have a friend, Jesus matters for friendships. If you work, I think Jesus matters for work. If you have a passion for creation, Jesus matters in that. If you're talking about the weather, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, all cre no, I mean, you don't have to go around quoting scripture. I'm just kidding. But, but Jesus matters. Like, let Jesus transform your life and then just share about it. Share the hope of Jesus so that many can be ransomed. If you have hope, what is it? Where does it come from? People are longing and looking for hope. And then here's the thing that I would just say is incredible that we get to do. We get to tell people that they matter. We get to tell the people around us that they matter. And we're thankful for the gift of their life. 
and we see beauty in who they are, and we see handsome studliness in who they are. We see gifts in who they are, and we see treasures in who they are, and we see talent in who they are. Everybody serves somebody. Everybody serves somebody. You know, I already talked about this so much this morning, but the community of Jesus is one that would be me for we. So I'm going to ask Stephen to come back up, and this is where I'm going to finish today. Me for we. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. Because I just believe that one of, the, one of the fears in giving something away is that you just won't get it back. You know, if I give somebody money, how do I know if it's, you know, they're really using it for that? Or if I give somebody time, what if, you know. At some point, we just have to decide, will we live with generosity or not? Will we be free with what's been given to us? Not dictating what the outcome is, my wife and I and our family have just tried to live generously with those around us. And if I'm honest, if you heard my life story, you would just think, man, do you realize how comfortable and cush you've had it, Kurt? Man, I was just so fortunate. I really don't know what it's like to want for things. I don't know what it's like to be hungry. I don't know what it's like to not, like, have good opportunities and good education. I have incredible family, incredible friends. It's just what I know. It's just my life. It's my story. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I actually began to realize what, is it, what it's like to hurt. And it's, and it's like my level of hurt, but it was like the m- deepest level of hurt I had ever known. And in that time, I experienced so many people, and my wife and our family experienced so many people, like, just serve us, and serve us, and serve us. Pray for us, encourage us, tell us, you know, like, just cry with us, say, hang in there, don't give up praying for you. They delivered delicious meals. They would sit. They would listen. We experience what it's like to receive love and care from people around us. When you live with a me for we mentality, when you live with the kingdom set deep in your heart and it's me for we, that you give generously to those around you, it is amazing. In my one life of giving generously to the people around me, giving time, giving friendship, giving encouragement, I reaped a harvest a hundred times more at my point of need. When I was hurting, people were there to hold me, to hug me, to lift me up. We want to be that kind of community. If you're here and you're hurting and you're hopeless, we want to wrap our, like, spiritual arms around you and when appropriate, actual physical arms around you and hug and extend hope where we've experienced hope. We want to be a community that lives this out, that we reap what we sow and we're sowing love after love after love generously to everyone who will take it. That we would be a community ransoming the people who are searching in the darkness, hoping for light, hoping that there might be something more than what they've known. And we just declare that Jesus loves you, this I know. 
because Jesus loves me and this is about as far as I've gotten. That we would let the ransoming love of God capture our hearts for our own lives, yes. Oh, but there's so much more. There's so much more. You know, on the ball teams that you're playing on, like that you can love those people in ways that they've hoped to be loved. You can invite people over for dinner and throw parties. And it all flows out of the one who gives life, who spoke the beauty and majesty of creation into you, who calls you back to himself. So where is God speaking to you about serving others? Where is God speaking to you about loving others? Who are the people that are coming to mind? Maybe God's speaking to you this morning about your own life. Maybe you've heard about Jesus and you've been hanging around the vineyard for a while or you've been around other churches and, you know, it's just kind of like what you've done. Like it was kind of like faith by um, like osmosis. Like you just kind of like, I've always gone to church. But maybe today you're hearing about this ransom for your life that's so much greater than you could have ever imagined. And in your own heart, you make a choice to say, I want to be one of the many, God. Like, take me. Take my life. Transform me with your love. Maybe that's a decision you made a week ago, a month ago, a decade ago, more than a decade. May we be those who ask for a deeper longing in our heart for the many, that we would begin to have passion for the lost and the broken and the hurting more than ever in our life. 